Welcome to Sexual Craftsmanship, the podcast that teaches you how to develop sexual confidence and become a better lover using a system of practice suited for dating and sex in today's world. No experience necessary. And now, here's your host, certified sex coach, sociologist, and mega nerd, Sarah Martin. doing today on my side it's it's gray it's rainy it's november there's no mistaking it and in the u.s where my family's from we're coming up to thanksgiving which is is a holiday that i haven't really celebrated much since i moved abroad though this year in kind of a weird way because because folks aren't doing large gatherings, I'm going to get to have a very lovely video conference on Thanksgiving Day with my folks. So very much looking forward to that. Otherwise, it's been it's been a time of some quiet and reflection. I think this time of year lends itself to that. So an awful lot is cooking in the background. I've got some great projects that are coming up in the new year, which I can't wait to share with all of you. For now, though, I am so excited to be bringing you the next Her Side interview. And as a reminder, or if this is the first time you're joining us on the podcast, welcome. And the Her Side interviews are your opportunity to get one woman's perspective on the experience of dating, sex, and relationships with men in STEM. I know for a lot of my clients, there is some frustration at the lack of feedback that can happen in the wild when it comes to dating, sex, and relationships. And while I'm not able to offer that individual feedback, right, from, from partners or dates that you've, you've been on, what I encourage you to do is have a listen to the Her Side interviews and think about what you can take away from from these experiences and ask yourself the question, you know, what of my experience do I see in this story? What can I take away from this today? And today I'm really pleased to be bringing you the Herside interview with Mari from Finland. Though I'm going to let Mari introduce herself now in her own words. Yeah, I'm Mari. I have been living in Finland my whole life. I'm 32 or okay I'm turning 32 next month so close enough and what else can I say I have studied English philology and now I'm studying financial management myself so Mm -hmm. I'm not into in STEM myself but there's a technical university on the in the same city so I met meet a lot of people from that field nice I have two roommates one of them has a cat (laughs) (laughs) that's the current living situation i'm we are moving in with my current boyfriend is a bit weird when we are in our 30s or 40s now but i tend to use the term partner so we are are moving in together soon and i'm keeping the roommate so it's all four of us fantastic right i can't wait for you to get to know mari a little bit better And I'm going to be bringing you into our conversation at about the 11 minute mark, 
when Mari is going to start talking about how folks have asked her out or how she has asked others out, including her favorite method, which I think some of you will be delighted to hear. So without further ado, let me bring you in on my conversation with Mari now. You'd mentioned already that with your current partner, he asked you out. And I'm wondering about the experience with guys that were in STEM rather than just the mystery ones. Do you remember who asked who out? Have you done it sometimes and they do it sometimes? Or have you noticed another pattern? Yeah, I think I have asked at least one of them out. The current one asked me out. The one before that was like, semi-serious couple of months at least I don't think if anyone explicitly asked anyone out or we just like slid into it for a while <laughs> like okay yeah and it has been mostly through email funnily enough okay <laughs> like it like asking like, for dates through email yeah so I think if I don't know the person's like social media or anything my current partner doesn't really do social media but anyway so email is like the one I can either figure out or like we already know because the hobbies thing like sometimes mailing lists and stuff keep you the address yeah oh and it's easier than so that. like you you have an interest like and then you just, take a look at the like group email list to find out their email address some I, I have always met them in person but mm-hmm. like asking uh, people out in person is like still kind of embarrassing maybe. Or mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a great, great word, but it's easier to do it you know, through text medium. Mm-hmm. And if I don't know their phone number, like the email is easier. Like it's not like I have stalked them <laughs> to find their email and they have not done that to <laughs> me either. Oh, but it's mm-hmm. just finding the actual information is easy with the email. <laughs> Gotcha. Yes. Guys, listen up. Like, it's okay to ask people out by email, provided you've, you know, met each other first. I think Mari makes a very good point that just finding your way to get somebody's email who's not really met you before isn't a great idea. But yeah, asking people out by text, absolutely fine way to go about it. Yeah, it might get you over the asking part. At least you have done it then. And it's exactly. Like- it gives them a bit more time to think about it, about mm-hmm. the answer. Like they don't need to, email doesn't have the expectation of them answering it like right that second because mm-hmm. they might not be on their computer or phone. Very good points. Excellent. Moving on to thinking a bit about dating men in STEM specifically. I'm wondering for you, what have been or what are the best parts of dating men in STEM? Yeah, that's a bit more like difficult question to ask because I don't have a really like a control group. Like I said, most of the people I have been dating have been in many STEM. So what is it like to date a man not in STEM? I have don't really have a good idea. So <laughs> it's a bit difficult to compare them. So I really don't know how to answer this one. <laughs> That's okay. So uh, there might be more insight in some of the questions that are coming through, but yeah, fair enough. I take your point. If you've not got a control group otherwise, then it'd be more like asking you what's your favorite part of dating 
the people that you've dated. Yeah. Actually, maybe that's a good way to go about it. So what have been your favorite parts of the dating experiences that you've had with the the people that you have dated? Let's see, the, the one before the current one, in the end, it wasn't that nice. Like he broke it off because he thought it was boring. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know if there was that much good in that one. But the current one, well, like, he's very I don't know like calm and I tend to be a bit more analytical person myself so it's good that the other person is also willing to analyze situation and situations mm-hmm. and discuss things and that might be a good point like of course you at some point you need to realize that not every discussion need to, needs to be analyzed but it's yeah. useful to have that kind of worldview at some point some points yeah yeah, and I can see that, especially if that's your approach to interacting with the world, too, is having that in common can make it easier to share, I don't know, something like a common language. You mentioned philology studies, so that pops into my mind. Yeah, yeah and what else? Like, of course, it's useful to have just, you know, have have people that have like technical skills when you are not that good at that, that stuff. But sometimes <laughs> you also, again, you need to realize that uh, even though a person does something related to a field they might not know everything about it so I usually make mostly make a joke out of it oh no I have computer problems and he might be like but yeah like that seems to be a hardware problem and I'm a software engineer so (laughs) you are on your own here (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah what else it's a bit difficult to say what's again like what this comes from the fact that they are stem people and what is just them as a person. I think you've approached a couple of specifics here, and while they might not apply to every man in STEM, this point in particular about having an analytical approach and a bit more of an analytical worldview, I think that will definitely resonate with some of my listeners. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the other side of this coin then is, in your experience, what has frustrated you or what have been the worst parts about my question is normally what have been the worst parts or frustrated you about dating men in STEM but in this case again considering that you've not got another control group have you noticed any patterns of frustrating things uh, with the people that you've dated yeah like sometimes they seem to have the expectation that I'm supposed to be like giving them excitement or fun ideas about what to do. Not entirely like some kind of the trope manic pixie dream girl, but sometimes they seem to think that dating might be the way to lighten up their boring lives. (laughs) And you need to explain to them that, you know, I'm not here to be your entertainment kind of thing. Mm. I'm also a kind of a boring person that likes to sit in and watch movies or play video games and I'm not going to have all these fun crazy ideas about what to do I'm I'm a home mouse nice yeah that definitely resonates with some of the things that I've seen and heard and worked with my clients yeah and that's also one way to look at that too is an expectation of emotional labor. So an expectation that you will plan or create something that's fun and exciting and surprising, 
And that's a lot of work. Yeah. And especially when if I'm like stressed or I'm just like have a lot on my plate and then I would need I would like to do the exciting things sometimes, but figuring out what they are, especially when there are more one more than one person concerned, like you need to figure out what everyone likes. And sometimes I just yeah, I just want to sit in and have a cup of tea and watch all detective movies. <laughs> awesome. Uh, thank you for that. And then where I'd love to go next. So very many of my listeners enjoy this concept of secret knowledge or things that they're you know not aware of. So I've got a couple of questions in this vein. Mm-hmm. And the first one is, what have you noticed that's been really great about dating these men? that they seem entirely unaware of, or maybe they think it's not a good thing and you're actually like, no, this is awesome. Another difficult one. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes it's useful that they think about things before they do them. Like it's the other side of the spontaneity coin. Some people like myself are just not that spontaneous and sometimes they like the life that way. So stopping to think before you do things might be a good thing even though it might not seem like that assertive that seems Mm. to be a thing that men often think they should be like it's useful to have some confidence in yourself but there needs to be a limit to that and yeah realizing your own limits is a good thing yeah yeah definitely oh that's interesting because I'm curious here about how you're defining confidence in that sentence. It's really interesting what I heard you say, that they could be too confident. But I wonder if what confidence means in that sentence is that they can make too many assumptions and then just proceed. Is it something like that or something else? Yes, some of that and some of not like just doing things before thinking if they are capable Mm. of doing them. Okay. Yeah, so like that... It's almost a macho thing, like they need to do this because they like they cannot show weakness and stuff like that. Or sometimes it's actual, they actually think they are more capable than they are. They're not like the people I have dated or anything like that. But yeah, oh, I can carry that or I can, I don't mm. know, just go over this road, even though that car is approaching, even stuff like that. Like I'm fast enough, I'm strong enough. Uh, I don't know. Mm. Like yeah. when it's, or I know how to get there. I don't need to like just look where it actually is. Some also uh, like okay, an actual anecdote about my current boyfriend. Like uh, we were in a different city in Finland, and we were going to stay the night at I, I think it was his mother's place, and he was like, okay, so it's uh, like he said, it's two kilometers to walk because he has been there before. And then mm-hmm. we started walking and we walked and walked. And at some point I realized it had been closer to four kilometers and I was dead tired. And he never realized that, or well, he realized at some point that it was way longer than he had thought. But because he had done it before and he had some kind of like concept of the distance, he never stopped and actually checked it on a map, like an Google mm. Maps or something. Mm-hmm. He just did it. And that can be a bit like that's an overconfidence in your ability to like calculate things or remember things. 
can be annoying. So it's good thing if you stop and think about stuff like that. <laughs> that can be a great instant people like they might actually realize that they need to stop and calculate things. <laughs> yeah, and because I, I wonder if you've almost answered my next question by showing the two sides of this of this confidence uh, issue. Because I was about to ask, what in your experience is an instant turnoff when it comes to dating someone that they might not even know is so off-putting? And what I heard in your answer there was, you might think that it's macho or that you should proceed without really taking a moment and thinking about your own capabilities. Like in this example of a walk that was in fact much longer than two kilometers. And is that something that comes into this turnoff category or is there you know something else that comes to mind too yeah like not accepting that sometimes you need to check things up is a turnoff like uh, my current partner doesn't do it often but I think like he's just a much you know more efficient walker than me so that's why that particular thing happened but yeah and yeah yeah treating people who are like I'm making air quotes here lower in social status than you were worse than the people that are higher than you. That's also like, it doesn't show that you are some kind of confident alpha, whatever. If you like try to be like snappy at waiters and, or try to, I don't know what else, (laughs) but yeah, that kind of idea really annoys me. Like the person who thinks they need to show how wealthy they are or how like uh, high status they are. And some people seem to think that's supposed to be attractive. It's really not to me. Mm, Yeah. So this whole almost talking down to people that you perceive to be quote unquote lower than you in the status hierarchy, not attractive. That's the verdict. (laughs) And then the third question in this vein is, what's something maybe that you've noticed men making a really big deal of in dating, sex, or relationships that just really doesn't matter? Uh, Of course, like things like money and um, status somewhat matter, like they need to be discussed if the relationship is going to be important or or a long-term one. Power or money imbalances can make things a bit more difficult, but they can be overcome if they are discussed. So I don't think money and especially showing it off is actually that important. Like, of course, you can use your money for things that actually excite you. I come back to the nerdy stuff like a lot of them, a lot of people are willing to use a lot of money for, let's say, a gaming console or something. But if you always need to have a better computer than your friend because they just told me that they upgraded theirs, that's a bit like, why does it need to be a, like one up one ship? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely feel you on that. So my next question, this is like a good way to lead into it, I think, is... Thinking generally, for you, what makes a man sexy? <laughs> I could go into specific like uh, details about what kind of people, men, who, what they look like. Of course, I have things that I think look sexy, but I don't know how useful that would be. 
like I like glasses, I like long hair, stuff like that. But uh, not all men who have glasses and long hair are sexy to me. Mm-hmm. But they obviously help. I think my current partner looks nice when he puts his reading glasses on, but they are only for reading, so he doesn't wear them all the time, and I wouldn't ask him to. Mm-hmm. Of course, a certain amount of confidence in yourself is good, like not questioning everything all the time. Like sometimes you, of course, need to do that, but... I guess the one way I would just ask for a little bit more information, because it's interesting, you mentioned a couple of physical characteristics you like, like someone who has glasses, someone who has long hair. But then you said, of course, not everybody with glasses or long hair is going to be attractive to me. And so I'm thinking, what's what makes part of the difference? And you mentioned having a degree of confidence in yourself, so not questioning absolutely everything. And I'm wondering, is there anything else that's one of those differentiating factors that it contributes to sexiness? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out like what's specifically sexy and what's uh, like generally attractive, you know, more of a, I don't know, romantic or even platonic level. Like, of course, like some sort of personal hygiene, like they don't smelly if you have a strong body odor, that's a turn off really quickly and I don't know willing to make the what's the word in English like the first move at some point is good because it's nice to know that they are into me yeah that, that's like it's a mutual thing realizing that someone is into me might be a turn on in and of itself if their mm-hmm. person seems nice otherwise like that might make me think about if I'm into them <laughs> yeah feeling desired is yeah. feeling desired is sexy and it's something I think that's common to human beings pretty generally I think most of us love feeling when we're desired as much as we enjoy feeling desire for others mm-hmm. and uh, a sort of a follow-on question which I think you answered partially in terms of personal hygiene is for you, what makes a man unattractive? What makes a guy totally not sexy? Yeah, yeah, the, the simple things is like yeah, the other smell, smell thing is really easy. It doesn't, might not matter if you are not that intimate, but the closer you get, the more you get the sense of the level of hygiene they give up. So... It matters more in a romantic or sexual relationship than it matters in a, you know, just a friendship. But it might matter in those ones as well, See if, at least if you do things like game around the same table every night and see, or every week and sit next to each other. Yeah. And yeah, the smoking and demeaning behavior. Instant turn-off is stuff that is trying to make it seem like it's sexy to uh, put me down. Yeah. My thing. I know some people, like, if that's your kink, it's fine, but it's not for me at all. So you would really need to ask before you start stuff like calling your partner a slut or in the pit or slapping their ass or mm-hmm. uh, telling them how dirty they are for doing stuff. Of course, that can be sexy in for some people, but it's not for me. 
Well, yeah, and I think even for folks for whom that is definitely sexy, the line between it being sexy and awful is exactly what you mentioned, which is asking first and having a discussion about that. Thank you for pointing that out. And this might be a good moment to move into, I have a couple of questions that are specifically related to sex. Mm-hmm. And the first one is, for you, how do you know when you would like to have sex with a partner? So how do you go from that moment of, this is a generally interesting person, we're getting along, to an awareness of, yeah, I'd quite like to have sex with this person? Uh, that's a thing I struggle with. <laughs> it's really difficult to actually know because I'm like, I was a kind of a late bloomer in that department. And I'm really dense about it. If someone wants to have sex with me, I it, they need to be explicit. That's actually interesting because on the internet and when I talk to people, it seems that men seem to think that women are more aware of it, but sometimes we are just as dense. So, <laughs> yeah, sometimes mm. it needs to be very explicit on either side. Yeah. But just realizing that it's actually might be a thing to ask about that's a bit more difficult. Like, I tend to question myself a lot mm. in the, that department, especially in the, I'm not going to ask if I don't know that they are into it. So even if I might realize it might not be like useful because I need to have the confirmation that I can ask. And then it turns into both people looking at each other. Are they into me? <laughs> but I, I can't ask because it would be awkward if they are not. <laughs> and yeah, it has been a very slow process for me in the past. Yeah, I hear you. And that's something that I do see in my clients and also in my friend circle, where there are often are two people that are very clearly into each other and nobody says anything. So yeah, it's part of why, guys, if you're listening, I have some resources about this to help out with those conversations. And I totally hear you, Mari, that sometimes it's really hard to judge so that there is a gift in stating a desire at the same time without having an expectation that exact desire is going to be met. Yeah. Yeah, it would be nice if there was like it wasn't awkward afterwards if the other person isn't into it, either sex or relationship or anything really. But yeah. uh, it's still a bit, especially if the uh, the people involved are not, like not that uh, experienced in the dating field. Like some people just get over the embarrassment eventually. Hmm. Yeah. No, I really hear you. That's really important, right? I think what Mari has shared with us there about the awkwardness that can crop up in terms of asking for what we desire is something that most people listening to this podcast can relate to. And I think it's very valuable to understand that you're not alone in experiencing that awkwardness. It's something that women can experience too, as as we've heard just now from Mari. So our interview does continue on for a bit longer. Remember, you can gain access to the extended, only roughly cut interviews by becoming a patron and supporting this podcast. You can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sarah Martin. 
However, before we wrap up for today, I do like to ask each of my guests what message they would like the listeners of this podcast to take away from the story that they shared. So I'm going to hand over to Mari for what she hopes you take away from from what she shared with us all today. Conversation is everything. Like you need to be able to discuss basically everything with your partner, at least at some point. Of course, everything doesn't need to be discussed at the first opportunity you get, but you need to be willing to discuss and you need to be willing to readjust your views and things based on your current partner. Like even if something worked out with the previous one, you still need to have discussion. You cannot assume that every person you are dating works the same way. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being here and listening today. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell a friend about it. Remember to follow or subscribe to this podcast so that you never miss an episode. And if you're feeling like, yeah, I really got a lot of value from listening to this her side interview today. I would love if you would hop over to Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts and leave me a a rating and a review, preferably a five-star rating because just like a lot of these tools that we use in today's world, like five-star means acceptable and everything else means horrible, so I don't know. Don't ask me. I don't <laughs> construct the algorithms. Rather, I'd be looking forward to reading your words very much indeed. And remember, if you would like to listen to the extended and only roughly cut interview with Mari, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Sarah Martin, where you can become a supporter of this podcast. And either way, I'll catch you right back here next week. Thanks for listening. If you want to jump right into the sexual craftsmanship process, head on over to sexualcraftsmanship.com backslash friendzone and download your free guide to avoiding the friendzone for good, including five exact scripts you can use today. 